One, two, three. Sound off. Let's go. Chapo for the week starting now. Yeah, Chapo for the week because that's what our listeners are. <laughs> they can't even pull their body weight. We're not recording. No, right? it's an Amber episode. It's, it's Chapo for the strong. Chapo for the strong. Chapo strong. <laughs> Just like Boston strong in that it's federally classified as a disability. <laughs> and a hate crime. <laughs> strong. Raw. Uncut. Uh, no, we're coming to you. Uh, coming to you Ribbed today. for your displeasure. Mm. Yeah. Coming to you today uh, from Amber's new apartment. Amber, I don't know if I've said this on the show. This is not the first time we've recorded here, but a uh, great place. Thanks. Thanks. Great um, place. If we're lucky, Jed will show up. Jed is a gray cat bird that at least five times a day for seven to 15 minutes sees his own reflection in that window over there and tries to attack it. He's and a moron and he's my best friend. And how does Phyllis and uh, Ernest react to that? Uh, Ernest does not care. He is not a predator. All his food comes in a can. Phyllis is a, is a psychopathic killer. She, there's this uh, mouse that comes up and eats the bird seed I lay out. And, and it's like she, she sits there and watches it while it taunts her and just shovels little dried corn. And so it's great. I feel like David Attenborough, which is all I've ever wanted. Phyllis looks at some uh, dumb bird uh, flopping about outside and just stares at it and bangs its head into a window every single day. Uh, is she a cat or the damn White House press corps? Damn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. More like the apple corps because they're full of seeds. <laughs> what? what? Yeah, what? I busted all in Jim Acosta's pussy. Is what I'm trying to say. Jim Acosta is pregnant with my child. <laughs> I'm about to be a daddy. Let's do this, y'all. 28. My baby finna be premature. <laughs> oh, yo, you an FBI agent? Because, damn, you just killed the club. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, was, I was worried that, you know, we that was last week's bit yeah. of a uh, hilarious viral video. The FBI agent who did a backflip, uh, service weapon falls out of his pants. Safety off, tries to pick it up, immediately shoots someone. It's one of the more lighthearted. And holds up his hands. Like, I either just say, no, I'm unarmed, which he's not, or oops, my bad. I couldn't read the body. It was a oops, my bad. I think he was holding up his hands to be like, don't worry, I'm okay. (laughs) I'm okay, everybody. What if he dabbed after that? That He was about to dab. All time. All time. He, He went to the... DJ to ask them to play the Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> but actually I, I, I really like that video because it's definitely the most lighthearted video of a American law enforcement officer shooting someone without provocation mm. in a long yeah. time Yeah, it's like oh this is a nice little palate cleanser from it's all the, of the awful state murder that we get to watch and then we get to have a little fun with it yeah, it's like, it's like, he's been demoted to the X-Files <laughs> it's like British TV it's like you have three hours of programming that are like Nazi wankers and like crime shows like uh, Rainy Day in, in Groffshaw Town. <laughs> Mobile Nickus. In between there, what's in between there? Mr. Bean. <laughs> and that's like, that's the shooting video schedule. Agent Bean. Agent yeah. Bean. Um, well, that is a sh- Oh, that's yeah, uh, Johnny English. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Oh, my yeah, favorite fuck. movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, shout out to my friend Tom, Tom Online, who will be on the Twitch stream in some form for being the biggest fucking piece of shit in the world because when I retweeted that video, he made sure to reply to it with me tagged in it and said, damn, I hope he doesn't lose his job over an accident <laughs> just so 
<laughs> literally hundreds of people would yell at him with me tagged. Like for a day, my mentions were like unreadable because it was all people being like, are you serious? He shot somebody. And he, it, he, just the entire time someone went, are you stupid? And he's like, yes, ma'am. I have a caretaker. <laughs> Tom, you piece of shit. As to the, the FBI, the FBI agent up in the club video, that, I feel like that was like yesterday's bit of charming viral video. And this week, we already have the troop who steal, stole the tank and took it for a joyride. What's the fucking tank? What is it? It's an armored personnel carrier. Oh, shit. It has shreds, dude. It's a tank. It doesn't have a big gun, okay? Matt, Matt. Whoa, whoa. Look, the, the, Sean Nelson, the all right? respect Sean Nelson <laughs> went to a national... He wasn't a troop. This guy was just a troop. <laughs> and he just basically took it for a fucking test drive. Sean Nelson snuck on to a fucking Air Nas- a National Guard base in San Diego and grabbed an actual fucking tank and drove it down the highway of Southern California. Drove it through RVs. Took the cops on a giant ride across the Southland until he got it hooked on the Jersey barrier between the highway uh, lanes. That was a real fucking tank theft. Okay, Matt, but but are not pedants the true troops? Yeah. Matt, uh, yeah. Who was your Wikipedia article editor? Uh, Matt is self-actualizing. We took DMT before this. He self-actualized, had an out-of-body experience, and his true identity is the child from junior high who is way too into German class and seems very interested in, in uh, exonerating Erwin Rommel as a historical figure. Rommel is very overrated. I would never do that. All right. uh, okay. The person, the, the, the troop who decided to steal the APC and Thank take you. it for a joyride made for some charming uh, internet video footage. Subtext to the story is that, uh, you know, Private APC uh, does follow Felix, but neither you or I, man. Yeah. Uh, so uh, fuck him. Yeah. I, uh, hope, I hope they, they, I hope they sent him to Leavenworth yeah. for twenty years. Yeah. Well, uh, Private GTA, whatever your name is, I'm sorry, I did not catch your name. I was gaming. I was practicing your real, real gaming today, real MLG style gaming. So I didn't catch your name. But when you are sent to Leavenworth and you are put in a dirty dozen squad, and you are sent on a suicide mission against the greatest threat to our national security, the Houthis in Yemen, I will support you. I will carry that flag to uh, your gaming clan's house. But this guy is like a scene guy because he follows me, Wardell. I think That's another 10 years in Leavenworth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, this guy just likes, he likes a young voice, someone who's like up on things. He follows Donald, get fiscal too. Yeah, that means he has great taste. Yeah. No, no chaff in his follows, mm. and he mm. tweeted during the during the joyride. Yeah, he took us he, he, like he was like Danny Green. You know, I had to do it one time. <laughs> That's a real poster. Other uh, news of the week: just uh, some quick hits here at the top. Um, first Lady uh, Melania Trump has made her first appearance after saying "fuck Chief Keefe" on Instagram Live, and honestly, the Secret Service were like, "We can no longer." Give Melania protection. It's too dangerous. I didn't sign on for this. Yeah, and also he, half he the got sec- them hitters on him. Half the Secret Service is GBE. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all ride for Sosa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like Trump, Trump being like, I've always known Little Reese. Uh, I've always rolled with him. I've never said anything bad about Chief Keefe. Tweet from 2013. He's pussy. I'm on <laughs> for all GBE. Uh. Um. Yeah. So, uh, Melania, I believe, was photographed today. There were, yeah, on on she Monday. Was, on Monday, she okay. Just, she was sort of off in the distance at an event for Gold Star families. Mm. You just kind of see her white outfit. Why do just they have to do an event? Levitating two inches off the ground, 
whispering incantations. Gold Star Family Ceremony, that's so fucking stupid. Like, why do we have to have, like, a federal ceremony for parents who have really smart preschoolers? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, I don't get it at all. Skyline is better to begin with, but... um, only some people have that show. Yeah. Yeah, shout out if you live in the flattest, angriest state. <laughs> yeah. Shout out if you live in the Chechnya of the Midwest, Ohio, baby. <laughs> I see you people. I see you. Man. I all respect Ohio. Uh, but he he talked about it during the speech to grieving families of dead. Oh troops. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was, was making people jokes are about- saying people are saying we're not together. Isn't that hilarious, folks? You with the dead kid. Isn't that funny? You with the dead spouse. Isn't it hilarious? They said mine's gone. She's right here. Um, I'm very sorry that uh, your second through eighth sons died in the 39th Osprey test crash that <laughs> this country has had. But look, my wife actually likes me. I don't know if anyone's paid attention. She, liked, I, she wasn't here because I put her to sleep. I gave her, I laid that deep pipe. Knock that pussy out. Literally. <laughs> Put her ass to bed with the back shots. <laughs> it's good pussy Monday in America. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, yeah, Matt. As you said, uh, some people. I mean, again, I don't, I don't know. People getting upset about this are out of their minds. It's fucking hilarious that he's at a, a, a gold star mother's event and he's just like, folks, That's amazing. I know my wife is walking through that door. How yeah. about you? Yeah. This guy in the front, he knows I, what I'm talking about. If you're if my you man's laughing at that event and you're like, yeah, that my family member definitely did not die in vain. This was useful. Their lives meant something. Their deaths are, are meaningful to prop up this fucking thing. The fact that my son died because the president sent him to Somalia to capture the fucking Chef Boyardee. <laughs> uh, that's, that, that's a fucking sacrifice um, that we're willing to make to keep a free country. Well, uh, you, say, you say that, but like in, in, in conjunction with also this week, there was the, he, he canceled the Eagles' invitation to come celebrate the Super Bowl at the White House because, you know, some of the players were getting a little bit mouthy to him. Well, they weren't going to go. Well, thing. yeah, they yeah. weren't going to go, and that was going to be embarrassing. So he created. So he did this like patriotism day. Oh my god! Yeah, we all saw that of him tr- trying. It's a to fucking st- national anthem listening party. Yeah, it was, a- <laughs> it was like the Kanye thing for the national anthem. Trump under his own tweets. Damn, this blew up. Check out this song. I really like it. It's just a national anthem. Just a bunch of guys in fucking pleated khakis standing around sweating, listening to one of the worst songs ever written. And uh, thinking about that, you know, thinking about the. The, um, the Gold Star Family's open mic routine he did, and then like this this made up event to listen to the national anthem and sing "God Bless America" with the National Army Choir or something like that. By the way, why does the Army have a choir? That's, that, that's not going. I think the fun. Army should have an "It's Showtime" team. <laughs> they just showtime. get on the train and they're like, "All right, thanks everybody. God bless. We need money to buy a new APC." <laughs> And now, I mean, everybody, would, the General Mattis Dancers. It would make more sense in a combat situation, at least. No, but uh, just in terms of, you know, uh, you know, there was the footage of him trying to sing along to God Bless America and not knowing the words. Again, who cares? Another terrible song. I don't know the yeah, fucking words to it. Really bad Honestly, song. if I didn't have to sing the national anthem and like with 30,000 other people, I probably wouldn't know the words either. It's just one of those things that kind of carries you on mm-hmm. if other people are singing it or it's, if a song's on in the it's background. You can, yeah, you can you can figure it out. But what you said, Matt, is like, you know, how do you see this as someone who like takes patriotism and the flag and the troops seriously and not just like walk into the ocean with your, you know, pockets full of stones and bricks or whatever? And I think the answer is like they were they're so they were so spitting mad at, you know, Obama for so long that I think that they're they're, they like even fake displays of jingoistic nationalism. It's revealed for what it is. I mean, it was uh 
Oscar Wilde who said that patriotism is virtue ruthless or cruel or something. It's just a thing to fucking cudgel people with, and it's just been unsheathed as that. And now it's literally just Trump. He might be a complete oaf and dunce, but he makes them mad. He makes the people I don't like mad. He makes them he makes them humbled or whatever. And they everyone love that. has lost I, any side of actual kind of policy based, you know, politics. It's it, it really is just like it's a it's a flame war. Yeah. yeah, but I think I think it's maybe like yes, they like him because he makes people mad. But like in his like obvious, I mean, could you like remember the latte salute? Remember how oh, maybe God, they yeah. got at Obama oh, yeah. because he had Still a latte in his hand when latte. he gave a salute to the Marine who opens the door. <laughs> Not to the Marine do that. By the way, no civilian president should be saluting anyone in the armed forces. Right. It's something you do when you're in the armed well, forces. He's actually, the commander-in-chief, actually. Well, yeah. I, that, that's not a fucking rank in the military. That means he's, the number he's, one he's still the civilian in charge Shut of the military. Shut up. Uh, no, I don't know. I'm, uh, I actually literally don't know. Uh, salute to you, Marine. I'm you're on looking the w- it up right now, aren't you? <laughs> no, I don't know if you're supposed to, because like, Clinton would do it, too, so I don't it, know. No, it's something that started, like, uh, yeah, Clinton would do it. I don't know who started doing it. Maybe Reagan, when one of his, like, you know, brain fits or whatever, when he thought, he remembered one of his movie characters did it or something like that. Yeah, he thought it was but, but like, I mean, it's, it's, it's this dumb thing. So like, imagine if Obama was caught not knowing the lyrics to God Bless America. They would have a fucking stroke. Yeah. And I think with Trump, I think it's like, they like him. They like even his insincere, oafish, shitty displays of jingoistic nationalism because they know it's for them. Yeah. And then well, even, even the fakeness of it, I think they appreciate the the effort to do something that gaudy and stupid for them. Well, and antagonizing because what did happen when he couldn't fucking say the words is that all the libs got mad and they're like you, yeah, you yeah, love yeah. the flag and you yeah. can't say the words because it's, libs are fundamentally you didn't do the reading nerds right. so. it was like owned you're owned you're mad now it's yeah. a it's a repeat of the same of the thing of like well you're not a real christian sir from people who don't believe in christianity but i guess it's different for this because the libs are showing themselves to be total jingoists they were so excited for this they love the Russia stuff because they get to go. Now we're the NATSEC party. Now we're the Defend America party. Now we get to be fully patriotic. Get to be muscular. Well, yeah, and, and the real world consequence of that is like many now even congressional Democrats are running to the right of Trump over negotiating with North Korea. Right. Also, they're not figuring out that Trump just cannot be a target for them because you cannot throw a man with mad cow disease off his game. I guess Trump and like the the general like tacky GOP patriotism. It sort of reminds me of like secular Jews celebrating uh, Hanukkah and Passover in that it's not that you did like they most of them are atheists, right? Like they don't really believe in God. And for these people, like all that shit, like, oh, I'm going to die for my country, blah, blah, blah. They, don't, they would never do that. Like if we were invaded, how quickly would like, you know, Paul Ryan or fucking Steve Mnuchin or Donald Trump be out of there? and go like sell out to whoever was invading us to be the plutocrat over there. But it's, it's just like the same shit we've always we've said with their evangelicism, which is just like pure racial antagonism and chauvinism and uh, resentment. So to try to get him with like, you're not a real patriot. When was this? Was never about patriotism. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's absolutely it's not, fucking. Well, it is because yeah, that's what always, patriotism is. He's well, pat- always been like the like the you know he, he and he's kind of just let it slip a few times. So he's like, yeah, the rubes love that shit about religion and 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 patriotism. Like he's very aware that we're all just 
uh, you know, participating in this in a kind of ritualized fashion. They like that he's trying. And it's like, no matter yeah. that Obama tried harder, just you doesn't know. matter. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't he matter. tried so much harder and he was so much more competent. And it's like, they don't care. They exactly. don't like you. It's because it's, yeah, Matt is exactly right. Patriotism is about who's in the club mm. and who's out of yeah. the club. Right. Once, when you're out of the club, they're not letting you in the no, fucking club. No, nothing matter, you No matter can how do. hard you wave that flag, no matter how many fucking troops you salute, yep. or how many times you tell them are, you know, what unites us makes us better as a country than what divides us, you're out of the fucking club. How about Patriotism few, club? It's a reaction. Would you like yeah. another uh, $500 billion to the defense budget? That means that I love you guys, right? Fuck off. Um, yeah, it's, it's bad biological father who... Okay, yeah, the country, the red America, the child, bad biological father who they demand the approval of but isn't present in their lives, Republican. Desperate, desperate stepdad who just shovels money at them, uh, gives them Xbox, tries to get you know their You know you can talk to me if you need yeah. to. Fuck you, dad. <laughs> hey, hey, my dad. I've been listening to some of those raps you Fuck like. You, Fuck off, you pussy. <laughs> Roger, get out of my room. Yeah, then... then Drunk bad dad shows up, Donald Trump, and he's like, what is that shit you like? Why box? He's like, oh, I love you, oh, I love you dad. You're interested in my interests. Damn. I got Thank you, you for seeing that me. That is fucking good. Hey, I got you a bottle opener for the last three birthdays and Christmases I missed. Hey, here's, here's a pack of Paul Malls. I only slept on them. I didn't step on them this time. <laughs> only half of them are flattened. Just, um, Thank you, dad. Um just the last bit of news, like, you know, just connected to Trump that uh, made me laugh this week. Uh, the story about his um, just ludicrously corrupt EPA administrator, <laughs> Scott Pruitt. How who, much of an idiot in, does Tom Price feel like, by the way, for resigning like a bitch? He, if, like, this is, Price did a fraction of what Pruitt has done. And he, he fucking resigned, what, almost a year ago now? Because you got some bad press? You ride that shit out. No one's paying attention. Yeah. That means, I, just go for it. There's going to be a new fire in a minute. This, this Imagine, is, that's Scott being, Pruitt is, was the guy who we know was going to the diplomat all the time, that he commissioned EPA challenge coins, that he considers that he needs, like, he considers himself a target of terrorists from, like, Greenpeace and needs, like, round-the-clock, like, helicopter coverage. He needs a SWAT team to tarry, take a, ferry him everywhere to protect him from environmentalists. But uh, recently, he used his, uh, just in, fully, in, like, in his government capacity, reached out to the uh, head of uh, Chick the Chick-fil-A franchise <laughs> to get his wife a Chick-fil-A franchise in uh, Nebraska, I think. That's romantic. You are what the woman he- doesn't want a Chick-fil-A franchise in Nebraska? The head of the EPA. Like, you could extort for millions, if not billions, on regulatory shit. I, but no, it's like, can you give my wife a chicken restaurant <laughs> so we can get maybe an extra $75,000 a year, if that? Margins are low. They're just so uncreative. What I love about Pruitt is that he is, and this is true of so many Republican office holders, he is the embodiment of the right-wing caricature of a government official. He is an absolute dipshit mediocrity who used government jobs to make him to convince himself that he's actually very smart and important and powerful and deserves all the money in the world. And he, and he is a Republican. And he is like the he is the the caricatured argument for why why government is bad because bureaucrats can can manipulate things to turn themselves into into power brokers using Chicken nothing more than their than their uh, than the levers of power they have while being absolute 
dishwater dull morons, and that's him. Chick-fil-A, your wife's Chick-fil-A franchise. Didn't even get it? Yeah, didn't get it. Well, I mean, then he said, that's not corrupt. <laughs> oh, my God. That's not corrupt because it didn't work. Oh <laughs> yes, God. that's the new rule. Yeah. Yeah, but did he, like, get her an Arby's or something instead? <laughs> like, he, got her, he got her a DQ. Some, oh, I love yeah, no, Razor treats? I love, the, I, love the, I love the Q. I would like to own an Arby's solely so that I could get one of those horsey sauce dispensers oh, in my fuck, home. Oh, fuck, I love horsey sauce. <laughs> if I could put horsey you sauce know? on every meal... I would. Okay, Caligula. you know the, the, the mozzarella sticks <laughs> in the horsey sauce. Well, anything in the horsey sauce. I love, sauce. I love, I love how you're the that, I love how, I love how you're the biggest fucking pedant in the world. I'm with not. Like everything. Like you're like, that's actually an APC. Uh, technically, uh, Portland, Oregon was not was not a designation of the territories when that happened. I but when it comes to food, you would just that. dig your fist into like a jar of ranch, and just shovel. I don't like your ranch. Mouth. So <laughs> eject, eject this digression. Stop. Uh, step they away don't like the food talk. Step away from the riff. They don't like the food <laughs> talk. Like step away from the fast food opinions. I'll close it out. Uh, everyone who goes to McDonald's should be murdered by the state. <laughs> No controversy. We're going to be fine. Do not email us about this. Uh, The next thing I want to talk about is uh, a bit of a callback. And this is a special shout out to everyone who came to see us when we performed in Seattle. It's a little callback to that. At that live show, which most of you listening to this were not at, we did read from from two books, not one, but two books written by CEO of Starbucks, Howard Schultz, that sort of lay out his... I don't know his his life story, his passion for coffee a, and community, and just the a kind hard of scrabble kid. The, from the New model York. of sort of conscious capitalism that he embodies, which says that you can, yes, you can make your shareholders money, but like also make, make the, the world, world a better, a better place, place at it's the same amazing. time. It's an know? amazingly delusional read. It's it's Michael Scott trying to be Hank Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> he takes a lot of credit. He's very proud of himself for basically thinking of the idea of having coffee shops. Like they only had those in Europe. Nobody did that in the United States. Well, I know, invented it. I it was a pretty it good idea. Uh, it was, I created it was pretty a, good coffee before Starbucks. I was like, actually, they burned the meat. It was like, do you know what coffee was like before Starbucks? Like, do you know what it was like to go into a midwestern, well, Matt does it. a midwestern yeah, gas station? Yeah, and, and get, get some just, like, dishwater. Just some fucking like yeah. There's like still cleanser in it. <laughs> the thing that haunts me from that book is just his smug insistence that he had recreated. Some sort of community space. Yeah. With, oh, yeah. yeah. That he was gifting community to these cities that he put Starbucks in. Well, I mean. He, he personally imported uh, 300 uh, septuagenarian Italian men named Giuseppe just for ambiance. They died very quickly. He forgot to feed them. They can't just live on croissants. <laughs> but but he, really, he really went for the whole vibe. They didn't put air holes in their shipping container. <laughs> Italians need that, despite what you may have heard. But yeah, no, he said he went to Italy and he just saw the coffee shops and he was like, Mamma mia, buonasera. This is beautiful. We can Ciao, have something Bella. like that. But it's like, okay, so everyone yelled at Starbucks for uh, calling the cops on the black guy there, but that is replicating the Italian experience. <laughs> that's the most, that's just, they're trying to do what they do in Italy. Well, I, I think I remember his description of going to the different, like, espresso shops or whatever, and he was like, and there were all these men, you know, just communicating and conversing. And it was like, he's, he's like, this is what it's like everywhere. But he only went to, like, two or something, and I was like, what if, like, 
he was just at cruising spots and thought that that's what Italian <laughs> coffee shops are. Oh man, imagine if they had uh, the barista uniform was just a leather daddy because yeah. he thought that's what, what the barista is like. Supposed they to wear look like. thongs. They're very free. They really like Robin. They were listening to a lot of Liza. <laughs> it was. It was. There was. I think like a three-hour um, version of Sylvester. Uh, you make me feel mighty real. Italians are just like really classy people. You pick up one of those st- Starbucks mix CDs, but instead of like Nora Jones on there, it's like Pet Shop Boys, <laughs> Da Rude, Scissor Sisters, yeah, Scissor Sisters, uh, Armin Van Buren. Yeah. The, the the feeling you get reading it is that he is the most terrifying of creatures. He's one of these ultra powerful rich guys who actually believes his bullshit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah he really yeah. thinks that he's making the world a better place. I believe it's it, terrifying. At one point, he said he was personally inspired by the music of the Beatles to be yeah, as good yeah. at doing he's star like, being I'm a Starbucks like CEO as the Beatles were at rock and roll. He, he's a true believer. Yeah. So we, he just resigned as CEO of Starbucks. And the, you know, it's pretty obvious that he has political ambitions. He was even his name was even floated as a possible VP for Hillary Clinton. He definitely in would if he, if, if he would. It, it, people are pretty sure that he would have been her Secretary of Labor. Okay. Oh, good. Wow. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I gotta say, I mean, like as compared, like Starbucks does give their employees health care. Yeah. Some of them uh, do. It was extremely hard fought. Yeah. And they're constantly well, trying to. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll see why here in they a second. They still owe me $88 <laughs> thanks to whoever on the Reddit for some reason. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Looks, right. Actually, don't By do the way, that. Don't do that. <laughs> like, I don't like that you did that. What? It, someone found $88 that you had lost, Amber. Don't I know. You want, don't you Apparently want that money back? From a, from, I, By I looking a, up your name in a state government database wages, in Indiana. But like, <laughs> please don't. Look at, please don't look at me. Okay, uh, so uh, it's clear that he has political ambition. Christ Almighty, he would have been Hillary Clinton's labor secretary. So, you know, it's not clear whether he's going to run for president or what, but he's clearly trying to shape the agenda of the Democratic Party. I'm sure he considers himself a Democrat. He's like sort of kind of a Mike Bloomberg model of like the idea that this guy that anyone would want from the Democrats would want this guy to run for president in 2020 is suicidal. He represents a constituency of maybe 500 people. Coincidentally, all of them work for the DNC. Yeah, but, we, but everyone loves Starbucks. That's true. You like Starbucks, popular. you want him to be president. So he's, gonna, Boom, done. he's given a series of interviews where you know, he's sort of staking out his, his sort of tack headed towards 2020. Again, if he's going to run for president, we don't know. But he is saying uh, a few things about what he what he'd like to see the direction of the Democratic Party take, and the direction he wants them to take is um, he says, "quote It concerns me that so many voices within the Democratic Party are going so far to the left, right, right. There's yeah, so is, many voices so many going voices. so far so to the far. left. Yeah. What, so what, oh my you, God! You cannot turn on." MSMSC without hearing people call for the execution of landlords <laughs> and the expropriation of unused lands. It's fucking disgusting. When I hear Tim Kaine go out there and go, Mi amo Tim Kaine, Somos Con 2, I'm like, damn, this is, am I in 1917? What the fuck? God but damn I mean, it. Of course- I mean, I, 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 fucking Chuck Schumer just going around saying put, put wings on pigs all the time. It's disgusting. Uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, he's clearly talking about uh, Bernie Sanders. He, you know, he's, he's trying to sort of position himself as the alternative to a more populist 
progressive that or has, even left wing. What's so insane about all of these people who are freaking out about this is yeah. that it's literally nothing has happened. Yeah. Like, no one, they've not had any power. They've not put through any agenda. It's literally just a slight shift in rhetoric in a few positions yeah, that just, people it's m- like make gestures towards. It's literally the Overton window, but that's the only thing they pay attention to. They, they gave Keith Ellison, who supported intervention in Libya and, like, I guess wants, like, better health care, this far-left infiltrator. They're like, all right, we'll give you a huge concession. You can pick out what K cups we use for the DNC headquarters, and this guy is like, "This has gone too far. <laughs> this is we're about to have like Jonestown meets kombucha." What he also said is uh, the Democrats should demonstrate quote leadership to the electorate by calling for cuts to Social Security and Medicare. Of course, yeah. You're, That's what they leadership will, is. They will appreciate yeah. your bravery. Yeah, but yeah. You're when, going, when you yeah. tell them, "I'm going to make your life worse." Yeah. And, but at no, the you, end of your life, they'll be like, "You know what? You're a straight shooter." Yeah. That is the fantasy of every fucking dipshit liberal who has been weaned on, like Capra and and fucking uh, Twelve Angry Men and the entire to Sorkin, just the entire litany of the of of this narrative of of what people really want is someone who will be truthful to them, who will cut through the bull. And, of course, the only person we've had recently who fits that definition in to most people is Donald Trump. Like, talking about uh, cutting fucking Social Security is never going to read to people as being a straight shooter. You're just going to look like a fucking vampire because they need the money or they'll die. Going on, uh, in an interview with CNBC, uh, Schultz said, I say to myself, how are we going to pay for these things in terms of things like single payer and people espousing the fact that the government Gee, I don't know. is going to give Who everyone has a job? A lot of money? He goes, I don't think that's realistic. He went on to say, I think the greatest threat domestically to the country is this $21 trillion debt hanging oh, over the cloud yeah, of America. Yeah. He said this $21 trillion debt hanging over the cloud of America. That's very This confused. guy is just fucking... He, he talks rocks like rocks <laughs> like, yeah. uh, Now, when you have a negative energy, someone is detesting your name through this great cloud of debt. It's an occultation through which you can have a negative experience <laughs> upon your own name. And I'm not I'm trying to create a conversation that initiates a dialogue between the debt and future generations. What Howard Schultz is saying to the Democratic Party is don't be men of ego. Yes, be men of yeah. leadership. <laughs> yeah. And the way uh, he goes, the only way we're going to get out of that is to grow the economy. And in my view, by four percent or greater. And then we have That's to. That's what go, everyone says. And then he goes, yeah. and then we have to go after entitlements. There, there aren't a lot of like anti, even even on the left, anti-growthists. Th- this is like, well, maybe there should be. Uh, well, I'm I'm part of the showist movement, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> No, this is like every fucking business asshole who runs, who has an abortive attempt at like a gubernatorial race or a federal office. Their thing is like, I'm going to do what no one's thought of 4% growth, which, yes, literally everyone wants. Like yeah. everyone in electoral politics runs on that shit. I want to go back to what uh, Amber, what uh, you zeroed in on uh, essentially is, uh, you know, Howard Schultz, who is a billionaire and yeah. has political aspirations, is asking, just sort of opening, throwing it out there, how are we going to pay for something like single-payer health care? It's just 
like well howard the answer is maybe you're going to become a millionaire maybe we're going to hang you upside <laughs> yeah, down yeah, yeah. and shake, <laughs> shake you shake you go through your couch with a fucking dyson airvac <laughs> and uh maybe get some people some decent health care but i mean obviously you don't have to point out that like the united states has a gdp greater than like the next seven countries combined we spend more money on our military than the next 10 countries combined Every other country manages to fund healthcare for all of its Spain. citizens. Spain, Spain's like top export is fucking like naps, <laughs> and they do it. What do you think? Like Howard Schultz's like last five purchases were like fucking Miles Davis's death mask. <laughs> fucking, fucking he he like. I bet he wears it. Yeah, He's like I'm like him. Yeah. I'm I consider myself a great jazz man of coffee. <laughs> You know I he's consider got the, myself the chronic heroin user of coffee. Yeah. You know he's got the taxidermied body of Juan Valdez somewhere on his <laughs> property. But, um, so yeah, like, it, it remains to be seen where this is all going, but, like, again, it does, it does remind me of, like, the, when people were trying to talk about Mike Bloomberg. And remember when Mike Bloomberg in 2016 said, if, you know, Hillary Clinton... And you know, if, if Sanders, Sanders and Trump, Trump he was, he was to gonna run. he was threatening to run for president because he says like you know he doesn't want to go too far to the left or the right. I mean, again, it speaks to the fundamentally skewed way in which we think about political alignment in this country that Bernie Sanders could be considered as far to the left as the current Republican Congress is to the right, right, as yeah. compared to even recent American history or any other comparable country. Yeah, in, like, we would the need West. like Bob Avakian to be the minority yeah, yeah, whip empty to the make cities, that Chairman Bob. Yeah. Did, do people remember like does like even Michael Bloomberg, Metro Bloomberg remember um, <laughs> Metro Bloomberg like, wants what, more. <laughs> if young Metro don't trust you, I'm gonna tax your soda. Um <laughs> like what the end of his term was like. Like everyone was so fucking sick of that sort of weird rich guy personal micromanagement but loose regulatory style and everything else well, type yeah thing. yeah yeah and what i think is funny about this at least as far as schultz goes is you know what's the other thing starbucks did like a week ago they shut down stores for a day so they could train all their employees and like how to be racially sensitive and oh so they God. so they avoid any more you know incidents okay but is i, I like i i Go to any Starbucks in New York. It's all black and Latino people behind the counter. Well, I, I mean, it's, it was probably mostly telling black people, like, I mean, honestly, like, you should have just trained, like, the white employees. <laughs> like, that's in a few specific locations. To be honest, I think really half of the day was probably training them to, like, look, don't roll your eyes when someone tells you their name is MAGA, love America, Donald Trump, <laughs> number one, make America great again. Yeah, it's probably more about tolerance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but my point is, it's like the same, there was the same thing with Bloomberg and like, I'm, you know, Schultz, he loves the Beatles, he loves Nora Jones, the, all those albums they sell at Starbucks. It's all very like crunchy, good feeling. And I feel like I, I this is the, what I think of whenever I see uh, people in bad faith or people who are just credulous or ignorant just go, what is neoliberalism even? It's not even a thing. It's an insult. And I think of shit like this. Yeah. Like the, the billionaire CEO who wants to run for president as a Democrat, who I'm sure, you know, believes all the right thing about gay rights and civil rights uh, and, you know, whatever uh, whatever you, you want to go down of like social issues. As long as issues. he doesn't have to pay them a living wage. Yeah, exactly. Who is at the same time is saying, oh, we we simply can't afford health care for everyone. Yeah. And I, you know, I think the national debt is a more pressing pr issue for America than, oh, I don't know, global warming 
or if inequality. You think, if you think the national debt is like is is the biggest thing we have to worry about, you should be waterboarded with your own shitty coffee. It is <laughs> it is less embarrassing to be an adult who's afraid of the boogeyman than to be an yeah. adult who's afraid of the national debt. <laughs> What's so astounding about that is that we know for a fact, obviously, that the debt boogeymaning is a mechanism for constraining working class ambitions politically. You know, mm-hmm. well, we can't afford that, blah blah. But what's amazing is, is that a lot of these people, especially in government, really believe it. Like, and they will act counter to their short-term uh, political well-being to hold up. Like, like the people who get rinsed, the people who got rinsed in the 2010 uh, uh, elections for the Democrats were these centrist blue dogs in the marginal districts who generally did believe in the, the debt being a thing that mattered. And they had spent, instead of spending just like a cynical politician would, the year leading up to that being like, no, we need to spend more. We need to do more. We need to help the economy. They were, they were sticking to the gun that, no, we have to worry about the debt. And then they all got, lost their jobs. That's how committed they were to it. Yeah. It's, it's like it's so deeply embedded in, in sort of the, the ideological matrix of what makes it up. It's also like Sorkinianly romantic to them to they where they're like, I would, I would, I would. I would get my i would get rid of my own job to save this damn country like right. it's like this weird fantasy they have well it's one thing that they can have a principle on that doesn't co- go in conflict with any rich donors desires it's the one thing that they can yeah. have principle about yeah. that doesn't make an awkward conflict with actual powers that be uh, i don't know if you guys saw uh, ryan cooper had an article this week in the week where he writes, but uh, he did. The, he he reached out to all these Democratic candidates who are running right now. Oh yeah, it was very depressing. And asked them, you know, what their like, where they what their what their stances were on issues, and what he found, like it, it's a small sample group. He reached out to eighteen, and I think eight of them responded. But uh, there were you know people who are running like campaigns that do have national attention. And what he found is, he says here, uh, my conclusion is this, the Democratic Party has developed a strong consensus on social justice issues like gay marriage, transgender rights, and police brutality. On foreign policy, it seems somewhere in the middle, not exactly favoring imperialist wars of aggression, but not terribly interested in a new paradigm either. But the party, as much as makes virtually no attempt to put forward a consistent party line on economic issues, on political economy, what up-and-coming Democrats believe and say depends largely on forces outside the party, and the candidates who are the clearest thinkers are the ones who have done their own reading and research. They're the socially progressive wing of capital. Well, they're already tipping their hand because today it was announced that uh, Pelosi and Steny Hoyer, the top two Democrats, are saying that if they win the House back next year, this fall, they're going to bring back PAYGO, which is a rule that says that any spending increase has to be offset with tax raises or spending cuts elsewhere. Nothing can craze the deficit, uh, which Democrats always institute when they have control of Congress and which Republicans will routinely ignore. They, they ignored it. To, they, they just pass. They do a waiver. That's how they passed the Bush tax cuts. That's how they passed the tax cuts last year. They will not be constrained by this bullshit. But Democrats, because they don't actually want to accomplish the things that they're now more and more claiming they want to accomplish – will bring back always. Like the filibuster, if they win the Senate and get a president in there, they're never going to get rid of the fucking filibuster in the Senate in a million years. Paygo is never going anywhere because they don't want... It's like uh, Cuomo got in there and, and engineered a situation where Republicans would hold on control of the Senate. The fucking New Jersey Democrats are not passing the millionaire's tax that they ran on. They don't actually want to do this stuff. I think people going back a little to the 
social part of neoliberalism, I think people have very, very fucking short memories. And by that, I mean, I think people think that this thing of corporations being woke is like, it's always been like that. It's been like that since the 90s. So this is not the case. I mean, this thing of companies supporting gay marriage, that didn't happen until enough fucking old people died and public opinion shifted until it was overwhelmingly pro and the Supreme Court ruled in its favor. This idea, even even if you take it, you try to make a good faith argument, like you are one of those people who self-identifies as a neoliberal. Even if you are one of those people, these companies, they will not fight for anything that's right unless it pulls well enough, unless it's completely unless legal. It sells. Unless it sells. So this idea that you can sort of put forth, use the market to put forth social good... Well, yeah, you better hope that it's fucking profitable. You better hope that enough old people are dead to do the right thing. Because we saw it with the fucking NFL. This is a, with the NFL. It didn't. It didn't test well enough with their audience for them to do the right. Hey, guess thing. what? Their ratings dipped. Yeah. Well, I mean, all ratings dip. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. Exactly. Watch yeah. the TV. Right. Everyone's posting. But yeah, but they feel like it it's didn't affecting pull their well enough. Line. It yeah. didn't pull well enough with enough of their overwhelmingly white audience. These people only fight with you. When they think there is no fucking downside. You cannot fucking depend on people like that. You can't depend on fucking institutions like that. Do you think the culture has always been liberal? Do you remember the fucking blacklist that went over the Dixie Chicks? Oh, These God, people are not going to be on your fucking side. Yeah. These entertainers aren't your friends. They j- Hollywood, we just found out that they're all fucking rapists and pedophiles. <laughs> and they did a, threw a special party for themselves about how they solved the problem. Because everyone paid attention. None of these people give a shit about you. They will fight to the extent that it is, it is profitable to them after everyone else has thrown their bodies on the fucking line. It is the last 15 years of history. You have the, you have the fucking memory of a goldfish if they think they have been with anyone else along the way for that entire time when it was unpopular. When it was unpopular to, for you to say that you think gay people should have the benefit of marriage or anything else or transgender rights the, or anything Again, else. you know, I just really want to underline the point that it is morally imperative that uh, we fight politically for, you know, gay rights and and for social issues that do matter, like uh, access to abortion and women's health care and things like that. But again, like it is equally moral imperative not to fall for the rope-a-dope of just being like, oh, well, you know, oh, you're, you don't support the uh, candidate who like who's in favor of gay rights, but against every uh, literally every other good thing in the world. And just like say that that's not good enough. Like it's more your your standard should be higher, like that that should be the moral imperative. Okay, so uh, speaking of coffee, uh, we're gonna do something Ooh, a little bit different. Caffeine. Uh, I, I'm going to lead a, a reading series. Uh, there's been a coup. Will is on house arrest. He is allowed to walk around at the grounds of his palace, but he cannot leave. Um, he's an a, enemy of the I'm people. in a gilded cage. Yeah, yeah. Not that bad. It's okay. um, Marty's with me. Will, Will's actually holed up in the Upper West Side Episcopal Church, and we're, <laughs> and we're blaring six nine at him to get him to, to come out. Our president now isn't really much of a reader. He's more of a poster, and he watches TV. But there is one publication that Donald Trump absolutely loves, uh, and that is the New York Post. The New York headless body found in topless bar post. One of the great headlines of all time. And I love the post. It's, um, it's an amalgamation of uh, horrifying, racist, antisocial, 
anti-worker, just just machinery. Um, and it's it's a really good thing to read sometimes to get like a handle on on a certain type of New York Republican, like Donald Trump. Um, so I was really tickled when a friend sent me uh, sent me a, a post article, and I would like to to read it. Okay. Convicted killer gets paid $40 per hour to get coffee. He's a killer coffee boy. Sweet gig. Convicted murderer Eric Smokes is one of the pricey union workers that the Hudson Yards developers say was tricked into paying $40 an hour just to deliver coffee and snacks. And according to lawsuits uh, and an internal report from Manhattan Mega Project. Uh, Smokes, 50, makes forty three ninety eight an hour, about 350 a day, as local 22 concrete workers at 30 Hudson Yards. But he only works as a coffee boy, payroll data, and the internal report prepared by a private investigator show. Um, three decades before he started serving up, serving up food and drinks from a shopping cart at the West Side Development, the then 20-year-old Smokes was convicted in the fatal beating of a French tourist in Midtown on New Year's Year's 1986. Smoke served more than 20 years in jail, but is now appealing his conviction. Uh, boondoggle baristas are part of a widespread scheme of misconduct and thuggish tactics of yesteryear, allegedly carried out by a union group at the project, according to a pair of lawsuits re- recently filed by uh, a subsidiary of Hudson Yards Construction. I just, I'm interested also in the, that he's making $350 a day just... Getting coffee and treats. Yeah. I mean, we right. could afford that, right, guys? Okay. I mean, so, think- so it goes on for a while, and you, you get the idea. It's like, oh, those, those dirty, rotten unions are hiring criminals. And it's like, first of all, I think we can all agree that, like, one coffee boy is worth at least 20 New York Post reporters. Like, yeah. if there was, like, if there was, like, a, a trolley uh, problem... There would have to be so many New York Post reporters on the other line, like for me to even be ethically like tempted. Michael Goodwin and his entire family are on one track, and then the other is just like a guy who runs a news kiosk. They're a legacy publication, and it is an interesting legacy. Yeah, founded by Alexander Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were once a venerable paper. Um, now they're something else. Now they're a venereal paper. <laughs> Oh, um, and you know, secondly, like criminality is not a justification to attack union wages, obviously. Um, and that's a completely inconsistent thing. Think about like, I don't think, you know, daddy Kushner is doing poorly after his stint in the pokey. Um, he's still in a, he's still in a halfway house. Yeah. Charles yeah, Kushner, yeah. Poor Car- guy. Charles Kushner posted a status. Damn, I'm my grind. Going to prove everyone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I think. We can all agree that the murder of a French tourist should be like a misdemeanor at most. Like, oh my god, like yeah. maybe just a finable offense. Felix, do you remember when we lived I, in the apartment on Green and you would see like French tourists walking by, like taking pictures of like garbage, being like, "I love the notorious Big." Like, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't care that much. I, I honestly. That they I, get I don't want to. I don't want to sound. I don't want this to sound hateful, but I I can't stand hearing their awful language in my city. It's very bad. Look, it's uh, the only one not allowed. There are, um, you know, be careful what you wish for type thing to get rid of the invasive species in Greenpoint, the uh, rockabillies. 
in the past year they've imported English and French transplants. Holy shit. Oh, no. It's, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah. So but the context for this is very important uh, because there's this big grassroots trades uh, workers movement called Count Me In. Um, this is all kind of surrounding. Um, it started in October. It's very small, like a few rank and filers. Now it's this huge movement and this giant rallying cry to stop um, like open shop construction sites. Um, and a lot of Count Me In is centered around Hudson Yards. Um, the developers are fighting it in like just the slimiest way. Um, they're like, there's, there's multiple lawsuits and like intimidation. Uh, I, they're suing the uh, Building and Construction Trades Council for $75 million and then the president of the council for $200,000, just him personally. It's just like all kinds of shady shit to sort of open up job sites for non-union workers. Um, and, you know, like, like most labor things, like a lot of this stuff is centered around pay and hours and benefits, but also with construction, it's also a major safety issue. And the reason you have something like a coffee boy is because if you have people running up and down unfinished stairs, it's very dangerous. Um, meanwhile, the post has been running just pure propaganda uh, for for these developers and like there was that thing the coffee boy thing before that in uh, on let's see March 11th they literally ran an editorial from the entire post editorial board that was just construction unions are robbing New York blind. Uh, <laughs> Finally, someone's calling them out. Yeah, May 5th, union group accused of thuggish thuggish tactics at Hudson Yards. Um, a uh, union accused of tricking developer into paying coffee boys $42 an hour. That was March 5th. By the way, that's a good trick. You lost. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you didn't read that and then you, you know, and, and then you pay that, like, that's how it works. They charge you what they charge you. $42 an hour. Sounds like a coffee man. Yeah, exactly. So I know that it's absolutely pure propaganda and not journalism because there was a brief mention in, in, in the article of um, an appeal However, had this, let's say journalist, actually looked this shit up, they would have found uh, an article uh, from the much less reactionary New York Daily News entitled Brooklyn Pair Battle to Clear Their Names in 1987 Tourist Murder. This was 2017, by the way. Uh, Best friend Eric Smokes and David Warren have endured a headline-grabbing murder trial in prison prison time, but now they're facing their biggest test together, the fight to clear their names. They were convicted of, of murdering and robbing a, a 71-year-old French tourist, a crime emblematic of New York in the gritty 1980s. When also they kind of revived this weird, like, 50s juvenile delinquent fear, where it's just like, they're children running around just killing people for fun. <laughs> so more than three decades later, lawyers will file a motion money to vacate the guilty verdicts against Smokes and Warren, largely on the basis that witnesses have recanted. Uh, let's see here. Ten minutes into 1987, tourist Jean Cass was savagely pummeled to death as he walked with his wife in Midtown. He died of massive head injuries later on. Within a week, Smokes, then 19, and Warren, then 16, were charged with his death. They were buddies from East New York who went to Manhattan to see the ball drop, and they quickly became the focus of a police investigation. 
This is very much like, like a Central Park Five style. Very story. much yeah. so. There were multiple of these things, and by the way, the post they were huge in, in the promotion of Central Park Five uh, as as a story. Um, the kid who was sixteen at the time said, "I felt we didn't do anything wrong, so I wasn't worried." Um, and they kept telling me, "Wow, you 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 didn't really do anything. It was Eric, right? We know it was Eric. Tell us it was Eric." And he said he didn't because there wasn't anything to tell. The jury disagreed. They were found guilty. Smokes was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. Warren got 15 to life. After 18 years behind bars, hope came in the form of a letter to Smokes. Walker, a crack, James Walker, the first witness to implicate them, apologized. Walker, a crack addict, admitted that when he was arrested the following day, January 2nd, 1987, for an unrelated robbery, robbery, he lied to stay out of jail, implicating Smokes in the New Year's Day murder. And then they start looking, and then they start talking to people. The trial witnesses, the lawyer said, made up their story to satisfy, investi- satisfy investigators who vowed to charge them with murder if they didn't cooperate or were pr- promised favorable treatment for pending criminal cases. So, look, this is a story of two teens railroaded out of absolutely nowhere. And there are three possibilities with the post here. Uh, one is that, like, it's totally plausible that they're just like shitty garbage journalists and like they didn't do the research and, and didn't see this. Two is that they're lying journalists and knew about it and left it off. And three, and I am not saying this what happened, but they're not really journalists at all. And this is something that they copied and pasted from an email directly from a developer. Like, it's a completely insane piece of propaganda. So the, essentially, the, the villain that the New York Post is trying to cast as the, the killer who's now making $40 an hour uh, delivering coffee was someone who was railroaded by the NYPD when they were 19 and it's did 25 years, years, 20 years yeah, in jail. Yeah, he got out for, like, good behavior or something. Um, it's been, like, 18 years. He lost his entire 20s and most of his 30s to prison. After you know, the, being railroaded by the NYPD. The years that New York Post columnists were spending, you know, causing tuxedo rental places to have an emergency <laughs> pole break, things like this. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know what the adolescence of a New York so, Post columnist would be. But, yeah, no. The, New, the, post, the, post is like, the post is like the closest thing we have to, like, an openly fascist newspaper. Like the There's, Daily Mail. It's like the, it's like the American yeah. Daily Mail, another yeah. Murdoch property. Yeah, you it's know, another it's Murdoch. A, yeah. it's, an, it's an open sewer that it's just pours amazing. out into our... It's just sensationalism and just the, the, the worst kind of running dogs of capitalism propaganda. So, and I'm a propagandist and I admit it, but come on. I mean... Like, you're not even trying. So, Amber, what show. you're saying here is, is this is a murder, a cold case connected to a shady real estate deal that no one really understands. <laughs> Sounds like True Detective Season 2. True yep. de- oh, man. Uh, I think the QAnon guys should just be... There should be a WPA thing for them, and their job should be writing new True Detective Seasons. Oh, my God, that, that's a good idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. They, they need, just need a project, yeah. you know? So th- there's just uh, this just extremely bald, totally shameless anti-union campaign going on over at the post these people are absolutely slime um if you want to learn more uh about count me in you can look it up on like labor press there's a lot of news about it that's the hashtag um 
There are two like Facebook groups about it. There's really a lot of stuff happening. Building trades are very important. Um, it's uh, it's been a traditional stronghold of labor. They're some of the only like workers that have been able to maintain closed shops. And also, it's just like a big. It's just a huge industry. Um, so by all means, look it up. Um, but if you would like to, uh, you know, not work very hard and just enjoy the libidinal pleasure of posting. Yes. I think it is the time has come for, for contests. The time has come. Um, and I think that if people wanted to tweet at the New York Post, uh, maybe with the hashtag, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee, uh, and gave them their best take about why they, they find their, their paper quite implausible, maybe a little unethical. Um, I, I think that that would be a fun thing for us. And we like to have fun here on Chapo. Just joshing around. Yeah, just joshing around. So just like, you know, like say hi, be funny, be creative, or don't. Just, you know, call McCon if you want to. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, like, you don't have a TV show. Yeah. Like, they can't take it away from you. So, yeah. And in, uh, in 72 hours after this episode airs, I'm going to check for that hashtag and all the menchies of the New York Post. And the one that makes me laugh the most gets a Chapo t-shirt. You can, Sounds good. We'll announce it and you can uh, DM Contest it. available at all participating Chapo um, locations. Void where prohibited. Little, uh, little, you know, asterisk at the bottom of the contest. It's not a new t-shirt. It was at the bottom of my drawer. It has a there little kratom on it. Minimal stains. Okay? It's okay. It's fine. It's Amber fine. Felix is really juicing this context now for all of our weird fans who want to smell Felix's Oh, yeah. What clothes. am I talking about? I could, yeah, I could buy a second gaming PC if I really, if I put a bidding war up. So, yeah. My Look, if, if you make me laugh really hard, then I'll give you some of, like, Felix's worn Under Armour. I don't wear Under Armour. Okay. Sorry, Lululemon? Yes. <laughs> I don't Amber, buy Amber. it. My mom gets me it every year for Christmas, and it's very comfortable, and it's made me faster. Amber, that hashtag once again? Don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. Coming Give- soon to the mentions of the New York Post. Like I said, an open sewer, just a sluice of shit that is opened into our minds and one public of my, discourse every single day. One of my favorite Post things um, in, in one of like the just disgusting things that they did i mean headless body and topless bar just genuinely like i would wear that that headline on a t-shirt but there was a woman who committed suicide by jumping off of a building and they found some yearbook photo of her doing uh hurdles and they cropped out the body oh no to make it look like they had caught her in midair oh no they're the worst people in the world it gives such an insight on like trump and like the people that work for him because these are just the exact type of like queens shitheads yeah this is this is the trump paper it really is the trump paper Read it a little bit, and you will kind of understand his context. I think yeah, because like, you're not going to get it from any other print medium. Yeah, you're not. It's not. You're not going to find one of those overwrought guys with like sad, sensitive eyes, and who's like Trump and the dark spirit of America and our id. It's like no, it's the New York Post. It's just fucking cruel, racist, stupid outer boroughs generational wealth. That's it. That's it. So, yes, uh, returning now to the topic of uh, convoluted and ultimately pretty boring conspiracy-based entertainment, uh, the True True Detective, 
the true detectives of our current era, not Colin Farrell, not Matthew McConaughey, not Woody Harrelson, not even Rachel McAdams or Taylor Kitsch. I'm talking about QAnon and the vigilant internet detectives who have just stumbled upon another plot. Uh, shout out to Will Summer. He was the first person who caught wind of this in his, uh, or at least that I, I read in his uh, Wright Richter newsletter. <clears throat> this is a story that is uh, riling up the MAGA QAnon oh sectors the of the oink, internet. The oinkers are oinking. And it involves the supposed discovery of a, quote, child sex camp sure. in the outskirts of Tucson, Arizona. Do you, do you, Aren't all camps child sex camps? <laughs> yeah, isn't that just Jewish summer camp? <laughs> I, lo- I love the idea that like this pops like this pops up on like the QAnon conspiracy web, and some guy is out there like, "Damn, I knew I left that somewhere." <laughs> <laughs> he calls it. Uh, Can I have it back? Working in again. a sex camp. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I left three hundred gallons of walnut sauce on the premises. <laughs> so send it back to me. This story is pretty hilarious. So I'm just gonna, like uh, the best way to explain it is to read from uh, this is a BuzzFeed article that's uh, summarizing it. Uh, claims of a child sex camp in Arizona are fueling the latest conspiracy theory. Uh, on May 31st, Michael Lewis Arthur Meyer. Too many fucking names there. Yeah. Buddy. Oh my That's God. a future assassin. Yeah, for sure. Michael Lewis Arthur Meyer. He's got two full names there. His name's Michael my Lewis. Name and, too. Yeah, the top one percent. <laughs> Have fifty eight percent of the middle names. <laughs> yeah, that guy is going to kill a senator with a harpoon to impress Taylor Swift with that name. You have that many middle names, you are like top level active shooter. Major so, leagues. Michael Lewis Arthur Meyer began live streaming on the Facebook page for Veterans on Patrol. That's the uh Great. I don't see my favorite. Cool. Uh, it's the sequel to Police Academy's Citizens on <laughs> yeah, Patrol. Yeah. yeah. What what could possibly go wrong here? Yeah. Veterans on Patrol, an Arizona-based group he founded that aims to help military veterans experiencing homelessness. By the way, I always love when uh, homeless troops are people's like really emotional cause. Not homelessness. No, no. Yeah. Just homeless troops because well, their brains and mi- their minds and they bodies have been shattered that we know in service to America. Yeah. And therefore, they don't deserve to be homeless. Unlike everyone else right, whose exactly. minds and bodies have just been shattered by living in this country. Um, so it goes here. Speaking into his phone camera, Meyer walked through what appeared to be an, aban- an abandoned homeless camp on the outskirts of Tucson and issued an ultimatum to the federal government. Quote, the government has until 12 tomorrow to come out here and we are not going to leave until this cell is dug out of the ground, he said, referring to a space set a few feet into the dirt and covered with a loose canopy of tree branches, netting and other materials. He then turned to the camera toward a tree with straps attached to it, declaring, this is a rape tree. <laughs> oh, as you know, this is... <laughs> you plant a rape seed, you get a rape tree. So, what? okay. There, there, there is... So, <laughs> so this guy with four... Uh, with two full names, Michael Lewis Arthur Meyer, is one of these live-streaming psychopaths mm-hmm. who, wouldn't you know it, is not actually a veteran. What? Even though uh, he's, he's stealing valor in a major way, even though he runs an, a, an organization that he has titled, you know, Veterans on Patrol. He is not a veteran. He, he has done stunts in the past to raise awareness, like climbing flag or clock towers and not doing the Charles Whitmore thing, but just, you know, doing everything up until the Charles Whitmore actually pulled the Whitmore. trigger. Um... Wait, so, so wait, raise awareness of what? 
just homeless veterans. And he hung, he would hang flags upside down in the symbol for distress to just let people know that there are homeless veterans around. That is not troop like at all. No. Uh, They're very into the flag. I, if there's one thing I know about troops, is they tend to enjoy uh, a, an orderly flag uh, etiquette. So he, is- he says he painted a grim picture. The straps on the tree were not used to secure parts of a makeshift homeless encampment. Instead, they were restraints for holding children in place while they were sexually abused by cartel members, he claimed. Uh-huh. The space dug into the ground was, in fact, a prison cell for children, and various items of trash and debris at the site proved to Meyer that, quote, sick shit has been going on there. This is a child sex trafficking camp that no one wants to talk about, and no one wants to do nothing about. So, so he's saying that members of the Mexican drug cartels go into, like, a, secretly enter America to be pedophiles? Yeah. It's like, he just had to, he had to just up the ante with cartel bosses. It's like... Yeah, since so, I, since I've gotten into selling drugs, I've decided to be a pedophile too. This is <laughs> like, like a I, this is a Steven Seagal movie. Yeah, yeah. It, so, this, no, it's that book we read. It literally is. Yeah. This is part of the plot of uh, Way of the Shadow Wolves. Yeah, it's it's yeah it's trafficking kids across the border. So yeah, so he he came across a basically a homeless encampment. This video that he did, his live stream video, has been viewed uh, over six hundred thousand times so far. And here's the real rub. The local news in Tucson uh, heard about this in his video and issued a one of these like on-the-ground local news reports from the uh, child sex encampment, seemingly taking all his claims at face value, or at least very at, at the very least just saying, like, could this be a sex trafficking camp? I don't know. Yep. One source says it might be. So I just want to play for you guys now just a little bit of the local news report for this. So just uh, bear with me here. Uh, This is from an NBC affiliate in in Tucson, Arizona. Is it an abandoned homeless camp or is it something more sinister? It was found by veterans on patrol in the area of Valencia 919. News 4 Tucson's Lupita Murillo is live at the site now with the latest details. Lupita, what can you tell us? Well, Angelique, the group was looking for homeless veterans, but instead they found this abandoned camp. Now, this camp has a mirror, and right behind it is this table. And on the table you can see shaving cream, flea and tick shampoo, roach and ant killer. And right behind it, this area where people probably slept. Those are all sundries. Very ominous. We're meant to subdue someone we saw the bunker with an entrance that only a child could get into. What? No. And we saw the name Hello Maddie written on the top of it. And Pedophile name. It's just... Madeline Albright. It became something so terrifying in such a short time. Oh Danny God. Ward is a volunteer with Veterans on Patrol. They came upon this abandoned camp on Tuesday. They say... This place is meant for child trafficking. It's <laughs> meant for torturous terrible things that should never happen to a small child let alone anyone well god what have, have these children's people children's ever gone to like a mcdonald's playpen area uh, we we, we no have these uh, there is a pit of balls that ensconced the children and they could be tactically absconded from the premises due to them sinking further into this pit I like the idea of like a local news reporter crawling through a Discovery Zone tube (laughs) (laughs) with their microphone and be like, and here we see a rope swing that was definitely used to tie up the children. Sees a a tetherball thing. 
uh, the men would hit this with their penises to see who could have the first turn at the child. Here we see the pedophile satanic uh, orb that they make the children put their hands on, and it makes their hair stand on end. <laughs> in, in, a, in, a, in a salute to Ball and Mammon. Uh, now, now, we see here on the board there is a photorealistic illustration of a man with several parts of his body open. You must remove parts of those bodies or receive a BDSM-style sadistic satanic <laughs> shock. This simulates the human sacrifice ceremonies they commit. Seriously, if one of these people took a Rorschach test, what would they see in every fucking inkblot? So, okay, this story has been picked up by uh, Gateway Pundit. Yeah, of course. By, yes. uh, by, of course, Mike, Mike Thurnovich mm-hmm. uh, is all over any kind of uh, sex, child sex trafficking uh, that doesn't involve him. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, again, like the local news stations, uh, when reached for comment by BuzzFeed, said, quote, we do not believe we have been too credulous of any claims. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, one headline mm-hmm. was uh, underground bunker possibly used for human trafficking of children found in Tucson. Good fucking Lord. It's if you watch the video as we did, it's the thing they point to are a makeshift bathroom. Basically, it's a, a, a shanty. Place, town. A shanty yeah, yeah. It's just a place where people tried to live. The, the bunker just is literally a, 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 a tire. But it's Matt, like a Matt. tire. You go through the tire into the hole. Matt. And the restraints, the rape restraints are clearly something to like hold up a tent or something like that. The fact that the fucking local news went, that, went there and did this, it really shows that what we said earlier when we were talking about QAnon, about how this is getting so rapidly normalized, is, is we're at, totally on track. It's getting humored by the mainstream media. By the fall, Republicans are going to be running on... There's Democrat child rape rooms in every city in America. And within a few years, uh, the idea that there's a pedophile network of, of powerful libs is going to be a Republican orthodoxy on par with tax cuts are good. Uh, yeah, And then Howard Schultz is going to try to run again and be like, now, look, we're going to figure out if there really is a secret pedophile ring. Um, I'm not going to say I'm fully against it, but it's like we do. We have to cut entitlements like that. <laughs> but, but how do you explain the sundries. You're right. There were sundries. There was yeah. there was tick tick shampoo. Why would that be there? <laughs> I love how they. Uh, you know, they're uh, delousing the here's children. The, here's the real thing, though. There is a local news station around there that apparently does the news that did not know there was a homeless shanty town. <laughs> yeah, I, I love. That they were the, not aware that this was something. This is the only way they could report that report this is if they have never once considered the homeless population of their area. I love how the newswoman, uh, like the first thing she says when she walks into camp is shaving cream. It's like, you know who uses that? Pedophiles. <laughs> they shave the children so they're more hairless and pleasant. Uh, so uh, they, so they, this guy, Arthur Meyer Maven Johnson. His name uh, is my name, too. Uh, he... <laughs> He got the local cops to come look at the sex camp. Which is also insane. Uh, so the local cops came and they just like shrugged. They were like, homeless people have been living here. This is, you know, they, they found no evidence of cages buried in the ground. Uh, the guy, who's again, not a veteran, climbed another tower and said he wouldn't come down until the police or federal government brings in cadaver sniffing dogs to inspect the site. And uh, or else he wouldn't come down. He did come down. From the tower, talk about it. Talk about a writer. Um, now, but like all, all of the right wing media, or like of like the the real like fever swamp right wing media, like not like Fox News level yet. We've seen local news cover it, but like definitely like uh, the QAnon people have been going ape shit over this. The conspiracy connects to uh, 
the mayor of Tucson's last name is Rothschild. Oh, boy. Oh, there you Check go. that out. Whoa. Uh, it's also uh, this, the, the abandoned camp, yes. the homeless camp right. that we just saw there that was just a shanty town is connected to George Soros, uh, a cement company in Tucson. Yeah, because it's, it's next it's to an abandoned to a, cement factory. It's next to an abandoned cement factory. And now QAnon people are finding quotes from both uh, the current Pope Francis and Obama, where they've said the word concrete in speeches. Yeah. And that is now, they're now looped into this. Why else would they say that <laughs> word? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is a hilarious story. It's one of the most, I mean, I, I'm, I continue to be impressed at how uh, just threadbare these idiotic stories are that these people believe in. However, what I'm also interested in is that, like, like Pizzagate, which we've gotten a lot of mileage out on this show, it is part and parcel of this like grand American tradition of child sex panic, like child sex hysteria. This idea that children are being abducted and raped by, ritualistically by these secret networks of pedophiles. The McMartin preschool trial hysteria being probably the most famous example of that. And my question is now, obviously, the Internet is like the big thing that's changed since then. But functionally, do these current political conspiracies that involve child sex trafficking like Pizzagate and now cement company, homeless camp gate? I don't know. Do they or do they differ in the emotional needs they're fulfilling or in the stories they're telling from previous sex panics in America? I do think they're different in one one meaningful way, and that is that they're a symptom of the fact that now we live in an era when everything everything is bad and you have no real way of fixing it and you can't even make sense of the world around you. I mean you are everyone's immersed all day in facts and in media and streams of information. But I don't think anybody anybody listening or anybody in this room can realistically say that they know what's going on. You can only it's like trying to drink out of a fire hose. So what these people have done is they have basically re- they've gamified reality. They they've basically realized if I can't make sense of anything, if I can't really have a way of telling one thing from another in terms of truth, well I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to make my own shit. I'm going to do a collage and and I'm going to make it entertaining and interesting. I mean, what did Roseanne Barr say about why she liked QAnon? It's like a movie. You're making a little movie where there are all these horrible, sinister forces just outside. You get to be like in a weird pension novel or, or, or something. It's, it's, it's excitement, and it's a way to make sense of the world and also make the world sort of an immersive game that you can figure out. Well, and it's like, why not? What other way, to, what better way to be is there in the 21st century than that? Well, I think, and I've read a lot about um, the, the satanic ritual abuse panic of the late 80s and early 90s. And you should definitely read uh, Debbie Nathan's uh, work on that. She was a feminist that covered the whole thing for The Village Voice and wrote a, wrote a book about it. And she was just crucified, just absolutely crucified for being like, this isn't happening. Like, it's just not happening. And they're like, why don't you believe the children? And that became the rallying cry, believe the children. Um, it, it was, it, but the weird thing about it and there are all kinds of speculations about kind of why, why that happened. A lot of people thought it had to do with women going into the workforce and anxieties about leaving daycare, their children in daycare. Yeah. Um, I, think there, I, think, I think there were kind of a lot of things going on. And there's, 
it's no surprise that like a lot of the people that went to jail for it were immigrants or lived in trailers or gay. Um, but the interesting thing about that is that it wasn't just a right wing thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very unholy alliance. A lot of feminists loved it. Glorious, the, Mc, the McMartin Glo- preschool thing. Yeah. yeah. Gloria, Gloria Steinem, uh, Kenneth Pollitt, um, when Debbie Nathan was saying like, look, this, this, it, it was a wave. It, it, McMartin was the beginning, but then yeah. everyone got, I don't know, crazy child abuse fever or whatever. No one paid any attention to, uh, you know, the, the, the horrible, like the, the lives that were being ru- ruined by it. It was all about, oh, we have to match panic. We have to show that we're taking this as seriously as everyone else. And it never fucking happened. The whole thing didn't happen. I'm, I, it's only a matter of time before the left tries to get on the action. And by the left, I don't mean a left. I mean, you know, the people who consider themselves the resistance. I, I think that a lot of the like QAnon and previously Pizzagate stuff, it is by design chaotic. And by that, I mean, it sort of reminds me of Benghazi, right? These people made a ton of hay out of Benghazi, and it turned out there was something there. And it was that we were using that embassy as a gun-running venture. But of course, because that's a concrete thing that would force them to look at things that implicate tons of people, not just the people they hate, they purposely gave up on it. And it just became Hillary Clinton personally ordered the death of Ambassador Stevens Mm -hmm. and everyone else. With the sex stuff, well, these people who were saying that Hollywood were sickos and rapists and everything for decades, well, they turned out to be right. They turned out to be right about that. But they don't want an actual conclusion. They want, they want an eternal battle against sickos that, get, that, that gives them some sort of meaning. So, like, all this QAnon shit, all this Pizzagate shit, how could, how could you ever prove it? To, how, you could never prove it falsely to them. Because they've just whipped themselves into this frenzy where now it's concrete. Just mentioning the word concrete means pedophilia. <laughs> and they can you they can draw from it every every time as this eternal battle. But because it's so shadowy and because it's so inconclusive and you can't prove it either way for them, they they can use it it will never implicate the people they don't like. It will never implicate Donald Trump. It will never implicate like fucking Jeff yeah, Sessions yeah. or who whatever Dana Rohrbach or whatever freak they like. And they purposely have created this this thing for themselves where there is no answer. I mean, it's also like yeah, you get to cast yourself as the hero like this obvious fraud does with his veteran. You know, he's pretending to be a veteran and saying he's helping veterans. Now he's helping child sex trafficking victims because, like, that's the most evil thing you can think of. But it's like to Amber's point, like uh, the point you made about how the, the McMartin case echoes a lot of this in that there are these sort of like yeah, folk stories and conspiracy theories that crop up in reactionary moments in our society. That was during the 80s, right? 80s and 90s. 80s and 90s. There was, there was so many of And it was like, res- uh, but, but could be like responding to these like changes in the culture, like uh, yeah. more women in the workplace, fears of, you know, daycare and things like Richard that. Richard Beck's Believe the Children has, has, has some interesting ideas on it, but you got to read Debbie but what, Nathan. What I think is if interesting. If you like child rape panics, Debbie Nathan is your girl. What I find interesting, though, is the way in which the specifics of these child sex ritual conspiracies remain the same. Mm. 
one of the big things in the McMartin preschool that a lot of the kids said in their testimonies to these quack psychologists who yeah. interviewed them was that there were all these secret tunnels under the school. The yeah. school didn't even have a fucking basement. Yeah. And they knew that. The cops knew that from day one. Yeah. But they kept talking about being taken into secret tunnels. And now, wouldn't you know it, a big part of both this homeless encampment bullshit and the QAnon, the big part of the Jade Helm thing were secret tunnels under Walmart. I just think that like the... Uh, the sort of the, the mythic language here. Wait till they actually the start same. coaching children like yeah, oh the, like the God, police yeah. at McMartin did. I mean, because they'll they'll but do it. These here, people here, are insane. But here's here's the other turn is like that. The, of course, like for the the MAGA QAnon people are following this story and they're so riled up about it. They're like, we as Matt said, I think we can be fairly confident that busting up child sex camps in the Arizona desert or just all over America will be an issue that a Republican runs on in 2020 or even sooner than that. What I think is interesting is like they, they choose, you know, child sex abuse because it's the most evil, it's the most evil thing you can possibly think of for the most part. Uh, but at the same time, there are all these real world examples as Felix brought up of truly evil things happening and people getting away with it. I'm thinking, do any of these fucking people give a shit about the, well-documented cases of the abuse of children in ICE custody. That's been going on mm-hmm. since Obama. Yeah. This has been well-documented of, like, mind literally throwing children into dungeons to be abused uh, wantonly by the, those who are supposed to be guarding them. But that's not a conspiracy. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. Well, the, the, also, they have no humanity. They, they, right. don't, they don't care about immigrant children. Well, but who do they like think they, are these kids being abused by cartels in the Arizona the, desert? The, the, Suburban yeah, white children who disappeared. Like, they don't give a shit. They're just faceless. <laughs> they're, okay. It's who they're let's, abused let's, by. Let's, it's who they're abused by. If it's an ice guy, that's a troop, basically. If it's, if it's John Podesta or... or Chrissy Teigen, that's a lib, and that—that's what matters. Okay, look at the so look at the guy who's doing the whole like the never-ending child sex camp hunt. What was his thing before? It was raising awareness of homeless veterans. I guarantee you, his thing before that was raising awareness of cancer. These are like the three things that like internet shitheads have always loved. It's like uh, I'll never give home. I'll never give money to like a rapper type homeless guy when there are homeless veterans out there fuck cancer and anyone who hears my elaborate fantasy of how I would murder somebody who, who would harm any type of child. And they love these three things because they will never actually have to face them. Even though there are real world, there are real world things that implicate all of them and real world solutions to all of them. Don't want homeless veterans. Stop having Imperial wars of conquest and have government housing. You don't, you know, you don't want, you don't want fucking uh, a, a cycle of abuse. There can be, we can fix the foster home problem. We can, there are a myriad of things we can do. You don't want cancer. Well, we could do invest stem in cell the sciences. research. We can invest in the sciences. We could have universal health care if you are so big into that fuck cancer thing. But these things are all about posturing. And it's, the, it's an evil you can look at without actually having to take any type of like action or lo- actual look at the world. You think that these are just eternal evils that spring out from the earth that Satan sent and not actual things you can address. And just your sentiment alone is enough. It's the biggest manifestation of the Protestant ethic of faith over acts. Uh, here are two more examples of real world evil. You can look at as it regards to the abuse of children. 
Uh, Donald Trump, uh, president, uh, you know, the hero to these people, not too recently uh, had his photo taken in one of those presidential, you know, uh, meat line handshake photo assembly things where you pay 10 grand and get a photo you can frame in your office with an actually convicted child rapist. A guy who was convicted of 10 counts of child sexual abuse in uh, Czechoslovakia, I think. His name is George Nader. Oh, it doesn't count in Czechoslovakia. He's the partner of this guy named Elliot Brody, who is involved in one of the many influence peddling schemes uh, connected to Saudi Arabia that has wormed its way into uh, Trump's orbit. Uh, Example number two, the Virginia House candidate who's running as an independent but very much a right-wing libertarian who is an open pedophile and ran for years a website for suicidal pedophiles to invade uh, their sort of incel pedophile fantasies of uh, raping others, including children, uh, just for years. And now he's running for uh, a House seat in uh, the Virginia state government. Uh, and could not be more open about the things yeah. he says and believes in. But does he own a pizza restaurant? That's what matters. Are there sundries? What what is what is the most important thing for an American? It is to believe they're a good person without ever having to do anything. <laughs> yeah. So they can't look at any of these concrete things and maybe yeah. you know, not even you know what? You could still maybe even vote for Donald Trump. Just maybe like don't give yourself a a coronary, like, I don't know, running olive oil through your Keurig or whatever fucking asinine protest you're supposed to do this week or buy the Trumpy bear. But no, not even that. It has to be something so... It has to be a phantom that you chase forever because you can't actually sacrifice to become a good person and still be this type of American. It's better to to hunt tigers than to catch a tiger because yeah. then you get a tiger by the tail. You know, it's like they say, the chase is more fun than the sex itself. Uh, <laughs> especially you know the chase through the underground tunnels. To closing out, I think it's I I think it is fascinating the way these you know child sex trafficking conspiracies continue to metastasize in the face of real evil that goes on in the world. But I think it's interesting to consider like the the ways that these things recycle themselves and why and how they keep cropping up in American culture in particular. Americans. Uh love talking a big game and then sitting down until they die. <laughs> I bet these fat fucks in their hunt for child sex camps, they will drive around in golf carts until they see like aluminum tube tubing and go, Oh, that's the slide that they send kids down <laughs> and they'll never get out and it'll be fine. And then they'll just die. They'll die in their gamer chairs. And Yeah. This further slide into degeneration again, as we have demanded for like the thirtieth episode in a row. China, take us now. Okay, guys. Till next time. Bye. Bye. President Bye. G, come for us. <laughs> <laughs>